0: Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. Hey, South Campus, in two weeks from today, we'll be dedicating your, uh, your facility, and we're so excited. The renovations are beautiful, and I can't wait to everybody to see what we're doing on Peach Orchard Road. I'd like to welcome all those watching online, too. This is a good day uh, to be here at church You know, today's a big day because it's Valentine's Day, and I hope that you have already found that perfect card for your Valentine. You know, did you hear about the woman that had this strange dream? She woke up and she said, Honey, she said, I dreamed that you gave me a gold necklace. What do you think that means? He scratched his head. He said, Well, I don't know, but, but, but but you'll know on Valentine's Day. A few days later, she had another dream. She said, honey, she said, I, I had this strange dream. He said, I dreamed that you gave me this pearl necklace. What do you think that means? He said, you'll know on Valentine's Day. And then, sure enough, on Valentine's Day, she woke up. She said, honey, she had, I had this strange dream. I dreamed you gave me a diamond necklace. What do you think that means? He said, honey, you need to be patient. You'll know tonight. So he came home with a wrapped gift, and she unwrapped that gift so excited. And you know what it was? It was a book, The Meaning of Dreams. (laughs) Well, she didn't get what she expected, and he didn't either. You know, one of the most important skills, life skills that you can learn is a skill of conflict resolution. It is so important for us to learn how to resolve a conflict and restore harmony and restore a relationship. But the problem is that most of us didn't learn how to do that from our parents. And they didn't learn it from their parents. And most of us have not had a, a class on conflict resolution. And people who do not understand how to resolve conflict, they really end up living parts of their lives very miserable. And so this message may be for you or it may not, but I'll say eventually you'll need this because all of us wrestle with conflict and all of us have issues along the way. Uh, My wife, Patty, is a great cook. However, when we first got married, she didn't have the confidence. She didn't have the confidence that she has today in the kitchen, I'll never forget one of our our first uh, fights. It really wasn't a fight, but one of our first fights, maybe it was a rude awakening. That's what it was. It was a rude awakening. Maybe it was a a welcome to married life, or maybe it was this wife speak thing. But one of our first things, she was in the kitchen. I walked into the kitchen and she was preparing dinner and there was salad there. And I just looked at her, made a comment, says, you know, uh, maybe I ought to put a little color in that, in that salad. Didn't think anything about that at all. Didn't think anything about that. Uh, we sat down at the table, and uh, she had baked potatoes uh, ready. And I just looked at her and said, you know, what? I like sweet potatoes. Now, it's been almost 39 years. I may have said, my mama always fixes sweet potatoes. I may have said that. I don't know if I said that or not. I may have said that. But here's what I did learn. The first step of conflict resolution is to never tell your spouse what your mama does. I think she may have said, well, you didn't marry your mama. I think something like that happened. I don't know. Well, today I want to talk about resolving conflict because I'm going to need this message a little bit later. (laughs) We're gonna continue our series called Let's Rebuild. This series has been based on the book of Nehemiah. Last week, we learned that Nehemiah was one of the most effective team builders in all of history. And uh, if you were in service last week, it sure seemed like that Nehemiah was a Tampa Bay fan or something like that. Uh, So congratulations, Pastor Todd. Um, Well, in chapter one, we see that Nehemiah took a leave of absence from his job as the cupbearer to the king of Persia to lead this uh, group of people to rebuild the walls. But the problem was about when they got to the halfway point of this building project and the project seemed way too big for them, it was overwhelming, they got very discouraged and they were on the verge of giving up. And Nehemiah had to convince a group of people who were tired, who were worn out, who wanted to quit, he had to convince them to keep going. And so last week we folk we focused on the outward uh, enemies or the outward conflicts that we struggle with. And Nehemiah had two in particular, and their names were Sanballat and Tobiah. And so today, as we turn the, pa- uh, the page from chapter four to Nehemiah chapter five, what we see is the enemy is stirring up, no longer stirring up attacks from the outside, but he is starting to stir up attacks on the inside. In the first four chapters of Nehemiah, the enemy was trying to uh, to hinder the people through ridicule and through intimidation. Now he is seeking to divide the people. You know, Jesus said that uh, if a house is divided against itself, it will surely fall. Chapter 5 of Nehemiah begins with these families, and they're bickering with other families in the community. They're bickering back and forth um, in the community because they were fighting because they simply did not have enough food for their growing families. Because a famine had hit the land. A famine had hit the land and had driven the price of food higher. The struggle was is that they were not making money like they were used to making because for two months, uh, they moved to work on the wall and they were working for free. And at this same time, the shortage of food, they had to mortgage their fields to get money to buy grain. Well, at this point, they started, uh, other people in the community were charging exorbitant interest rates. Along with that, the taxes went up. And so here you have a shortage of food, you have high interest rates, and you have high taxes. All of these came together to cause people to be behind on their payments. And so all of this is is, uh, boiling underneath the, the surface to the point where some of the people had to sell their children into slavery to make their payments. So there's a crisis brewing. And when Nehemiah heard about this, he said, somebody's got to do something about this. So he stepped in to handle it. So what I just explained to you, that's the first uh, five verses of chapter five in Nehemiah. Now we look at verse six. Nehemiah said, when I heard the outcry, when I heard all the outcry and I heard these, uh, these charges, he said, I was very angry. Nehemiah knew somebody had to do something about this. And so he had to calm the people down. He had to speak peace to the people. But before Nehemiah could do that, he had to calm himself down. He was angry. He couldn't believe this was happening. We see the next verse. He said, I pondered then in my mind and then accused the, the nobles and the officials. And I told them, you're charging your own people interest, so I'll call together a large meeting to deal with them. So one of the f- most important steps that we can take to resolve conflict is to do what Nehemiah did. He stepped away. Did you see that? He, he stepped away from the situation so that he could ponder it, so that he could think through it, He needed time to process everything that was going on in the community, everything that was going on with the project. He needed to think through the issues that were before him. He said, I pondered them in my mind. When you are facing a problem, when you're facing a challenge or a conflict with somebody, you need to pause. You need to press pause. You need to ponder. Too many times we're tempted to dive into the situation Instead of thinking through the situation. When somebody or someone makes you angry, I'll tell you, you need to step back and you need to pray about it. And you need to think about it. Pray about the situation. Think about the matter before you talk to anybody about this. Now, once you've done this, you need to go and speak directly to the people or the persons that made you angry. And this is what Nehemiah did. He said, I went to the nobles and I went to the officials. He went to the people who he perceived was in charge. He went to the person. And after that, he called a large group of people together to deal with the issue. You know, so many times in life, we don't go to the right person. We have a conflict and instead of going to the person that we have a problem with, instead of going to the person that we are angry with, we go to everybody else first. We go to our best friend, we go to coworkers, we go to friends of the person that we need to be talking to. But we never go to the person. We've got to learn to go to the person that we have the problem with. If we're going to resolve conflicts, we've got to go to that person and just open. But we go first of all, before we go to that person, we go to the Lord in prayer. And we say, God, give me the wisdom. Give me the words to say. Help me to understand the the situation from their vantage point. And then go to that person. Well, he went to the nobles and officials, but then he also went to a, a larger group. And he said to, in that larger meeting in verse nine, he says, what you are doing is not right. He was very clear. This is not right. Not only do we need to go to the people, but we need, to, we need to speak clearly about the issues. What you're doing is not right. Nehemiah was very clear. And at that meeting, he said, what you're doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God? Shouldn't you walk in the fear of God to avoid the reproach of the Gentile enemies? You see, the people have just simply lost the fear of the Lord. Sometimes I wonder if that's not an issue that we struggle with, that we lose the fear of the Lord, that we lose the respect of the Lord, that we lose uh, the knowledge that he is the one who is in authority, and that when we approach him, that we approach him with reverence and honor. That we don't take his name in vain, but we cherish his name and we respect his name. It's so important that we don't lose the fear and the respect of the Lord. As Nehemiah spoke to that larger group and challenged them on the fear of the Lord, they, they repented. They said, oh, whoa, whoa, we we, uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna change our ways. In fact, in, he said that they made a public oath before God. And the reason they made this public oath, because that was a sign that they were going to take this promise very seriously. And so there... Nehemiah resolved this conflict. He saw the problems, he saw the exorbitant interest rates, he saw there's a lack of food, he saw all of these issues, he said somebody's gotta do something, he thought about it, he prayed about it, he went to the people about it, then he went to the larger group about it, and they worked out a resolution to the problem. That's how Nehemiah did that, but how does that relate to us? Because you see, all of us have problems, all of us have issues. And if you're not in conflict with somebody, you know, in the days or months ahead, you may be one day. Because that's the world that we live in. So how do we handle conflict? How do we resolve and restore relationships? I think there's four things that we can do today to strengthen and encourage relationships. And I think these four principles come from the life of Nehemiah. The very first thing that's important, that if you are in a conflict with someone, and this conflict could be uh, with someone in your home, it could be your spouse, it could be somebody at work, it could be somebody at school, <clears throat> it could be somebody that you're in a uh, in relationship, a friendship or so, and, and there's this tension, there's this conflict that's brewing. There's four things. Here's the first one. I want you to confront humbly. I want you to confront the person humbly. All of us have conflict, but so many times we're simply afraid to deal with it. We're afraid to deal with it. We stuff our feelings down, we stuff our anger down, we put on this fake smile like everything is okay, and all the while this anger is just stuffed inside of us. And if we're not careful, That anger will turn inward, and that's a problem. Because when your anger turns inward, that anger becomes bitterness. And the Bible says, do not allow a root of bitterness to stay inside of you. Because here's what will happen. That root of bitterness will come out of you, and it will defile, it will hurt uh, people around you. And so we need to learn uh, not to be afraid to confront, but we need to learn how to confront, that we come with a humbleness. Jesus taught the importance of of, of being healthy in our relationships, and he taught the importance of um, relationship reconciliation. In Matthew chapter five, he said, therefore, if you're offering your gift uh, at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, I want you to leave your gift at the altar, in the front of the altar, and first go and be reconciled. He said, first go and be reconciled to your brother, and then you can come and offer your gift. He said, you may be at church. You may remember you got a problem. He said, leave your uh, offering at the church. Go deal with the problem. Then come back and give your offering. He said, it's that important. I think when, how do you, uh, confront somebody humbly, I think it all begins with prayer. It sincerely says, God, help me to see what they see. I see what I see. That's what Nehemiah did. Eight Over eight times in the book of Nehemiah, we'll see that, that he came together to pray. Um, and he said, God, give me the words to say. God, give me the wisdom. God, give me peace in this relationship. He prayed about the situations. That's what you need to do. You need to pray about it. But along with that prayer, you need the facts. You need to know what's really going on here. Because if you're not careful, you can jump into a situation and you really don't know what's going on. You think you know the truth, but you don't know the truth. But you need to know the truth. And that truth may be painful, but that truth will open you up to a potential reconciliation. And you have to be very practical when you do this. Be very practical. Don't confront somebody when it is none of your business. Let that sink in just a minute. Let that sink in in this room. Let that sink in in South Augusta, okay? And in every living room that's listening. Don't confront somebody when it's none of your business. Don't confront someone when you're angry, And you cannot control your anger. I'll tell you, Nehemiah was angry, but he stepped back. He pondered these things. He thought them through. Don't confront somebody when it's best to overlook the offense. Look, some things are little things. You've heard the the phrase, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Well, that fits here. Don't confront somebody when it's just best just to overlook the offense, just to move on, because really that person may not uh, have meant what you received or what you took in. So just overlook that. Don't confront somebody when it's dangerous. Don't confront somebody when it's dangerous to you physically, when it's dangerous to you emotionally, and when it's dangerous to you spiritually. So be on guard. Don't confront somebody in those situations. So you always have to check your motives. Check your motives. Do you really want peace and harmony in this relationship, or would you just rather get even? So you have to really check your motives, what's really going on. And could it be that you have contributed to the problem that, that has developed here? Could it be that you have contributed, that this was just not a one-person issue, but this was a two-person or even a larger group issue, and maybe you had something to do with this problem? Could it be? Now, put yourself in that situation. That changes the conversation. Now, what if that you're the person um, that needs to be confronted? Maybe you're that one that you're gonna be on the receiving end of a humble confrontation. So how are you gonna receive that? Well, here's what I want you just to hear. I want you to be willing to listen to what they have to say because honestly, so many times when I am listening to what somebody is saying, I am creating my defense in my mind. Or I don't even wait for them to finish the sentence. I jump in and talk over them to explain my position so that I am heard. So if you're the one being confronted, I want you just to step back and to listen. I mean, didn't your mama say that you have two ears and one mouth because what? You're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk. Maybe your mama didn't say that, but she should have. We've got to listen. Try not to react, but try to respond to the situation. You may be guilty and not even realize it. And if you're innocent in this situation, just take a deep breath. Humbly share your story, or, or just, just walk on and just move on. But just do it Humbly. Here's the second, I said there's four things that we can take from this story. Here's the second one, I want you to love deeply. Now, the Bible teaches us that we're to love one another. Now, loving one another, this is probably easy. It's easy today, today's Valentine's Day. I mean, today is a day of love. But what about tomorrow, when it's not Valentine's Day? I want you to love deeply. This is the message of 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, above all, love each other deeply. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. It says above all. That means above everything that love must be your top priority here. The word deeply actually means to stretch. It means to extend. It was originally used in the Greek, uh, Greek Olympic for runners that they would stretch or they would push themselves so that they could win the race. If you want to go deeper in your relationships, then you need to stretch. You need to be all in. When you love someone deeply and you're all in, you're going to accept them as they are. You're going to... Want to spend time with them, you're gonna want to trust them, you want to protect them. But here's the truth. All relationships, they go through seasons. Every relationship goes through a season. And some of you uh, are at different seasons in this room. Some of you are at different seasons listening to me today. Some of you are in that that, that phase that everything is wonderful. You just fell in love it was like spontaneous. It was like beauty. Uh, it is just, I mean, and, and you sit and you just anticipate their calls or their text and you just look forward to that. Oh, and, and you, you want their touch and, and you just ignore their, their quirks. Oh, it's just, it's no, it's just, you just ignore their quirks. Everything is wonderful. But after being together a few years, the euphoria of that love fades. And this is just a natural cycle of every relationship. Slowly but surely that sometimes those phone calls you don't want to take and sometimes that touch is unwanted and sometimes those quirks that you thought were so sweet get on your last nerves. But here's the problem where some people start to allow their mind to wander and they question themselves. Did I marry the wrong person? Am I with the right person? The key to a lasting relationship is not finding the right person. It is learning to love the person that you found. I want you to just let that settle. The key to a lasting relationship, a relationship that goes the distance, the key to a lasting relationship is not finding the right person, but learning to love that person that you have found. Lasting love takes work. It's gonna take time. It's gonna take effort. It's gonna take energy. It's gonna demand wisdom. It's gonna demand commitment. I believe that God determines the people who walk into your life, but it's up to you to decide who you let walk away. It's up to you to decide who you let stay and who you refuse to let go. Who you refuse to let go. Nearly 39 years ago, I told Patty... And we stood at an altar at the Monroe Church of God and we looked at each other and we individually said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do we part. We made a commitment. We made a decision that day. Love is a choice, love is a decision. You can't base love on feelings. It may start that way, but you base love on those commitments that you make. And that's what it means to love deeply. It says, above all else, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. It simply means that when you love someone, you are willing to forgive them. That leads us to our third point today. I want you to forgive completely. Forgiveness is at the heart of the message of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to resolve conflict in our lives, then we have to learn how to forgive people and to forgive completely. When we are when we forgive somebody, we are becoming more like Jesus. We're demonstrating the love of Jesus. And I believe that when we start to forgive people, we're opening the door for sincere reconciliation. And we're releasing, uh, the, we're releasing that person from what they have done to us. It's a gift. When you forgive somebody, you're giving somebody a gift, but you're also giving yourself the opportunity to move on. And it is time for some of you to move on. You've got to let that go. That, that happened years ago, and you've held on to this, but it is time to forgive That person. Now, let me say this. Forgiving someone is not saying that it never happened. It happened. It was real. It happened and it hurt. And so you've got to come to the place where you you release that person and you move on. And forgiveness is saying that you're not going to hold that person, um, hold that against that person, but you're going to let that go You've been through enough pain. You've been through enough difficulties. And I'm telling you, it is time that that you just release that person. This is the message of Colossians 3 and 13. It says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances that you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You will never be asked to forgive someone more than what God has forgiven you. You will never be asked to forgive someone more than what God has forgiven you. And so it's time to allow that to go. Forgiveness is not justifying that person's actions or what they said or what did. It is not excusing that person. It is simply saying to that person, I'm gonna lay aside the hurt. I'm gonna lay aside the anger. I'm gonna lay aside all that pain that you have caused me And I am no longer going to hold it against you. So we're going to forgive completely. Now, understand this. Now, if you're the person that is being forgiven, uh, everything is not just uh, okay because you have been forgiven. Now, you have to enter into this part of the relationship. After you have been forgiven, you have to reestablish and you have to rebuild trust And trust, it's going to take time for you to rebuild trust. Love cannot grow without trust. And trust has a track record. You can look over your life and you can see your track record on rebuilding trust. So hear me on that. We're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about resolving conflict. We're talking about rebuilding relationships. And for that, re, that relationship to be fully rebuilt, it has to be built on trust. And you've got to come to the place where you're willing to invest the time and energy to restore and to rebuild trust. Here's the fourth thing and final one. I want you to work tirelessly on your relationship. If you're going to resolve this conflict, then it's going to take some effort. And you've got to be willing to resolve the issues, and you've got to be willing to reconcile the relationship. To reconcile means to reestablish the relationship. It does not mean that you're going to resolve all the problems. A lot of times, there will be some very legitimate and very honest differences There'll be some very legitimate and honest differences between husbands and wives, between employees and bosses, between friends. There's honest differences. And you've got to understand that reconciliation means that you bury the hatchet, but you don't bury the issue. That you see things differently, that we have differences of opinion. And you may not resolve every problem but you keep talking about it and you learn how to walk arm in arm even though you don't see eye to eye. And you've got to work tirelessly for this. And you've got to figure out what can you do? I mean, you have to do your part. So what is it? How are you going to to build compromise in the situation. How are you gonna share kindness in there? What can you agree on? What can you do together? You see that? You're building compromise. You're you're building that relationship. I love the words of, of Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. It says, if it is possible, meaning that it may not be possible, okay? It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You do everything possible to live at peace, but you understand peace has a price. And if you want peace in your home, if you want peace in your, um, uh, your work environment, you want peace in your relationship, it's gonna take some work. And you gotta be willing to give in. You know, maybe your wife is right. Maybe your husband has a point. Maybe your kids need to be considered. Maybe your boss does know what he's talking about. And you've got to come to the place where you're going to work at that. You're going to work tirelessly, and you're going to be willing to compromise. You're going to be willing to give in. You're going to take that step. And I'll tell you if you're willing to put in the work, it's worth the effort. It's worth the effort. And maybe for some today, this message is gonna prompt you to to send a text, to make a phone call, to have a visit, to have this conversation, to try to start working at building um, a relationship, resolving this conflict, because life is too short to carry a grudge. Life is too short to live in conflict. But understand, the Bible says as far as it depends, if it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, you may make this conversation happen. You may see this person face to face. You may open up your heart. You may try to work to bring resolution. And that person may not receive that. And that is when you walk away and you move on. And honestly, that person may not answer your call. That person may not take your call. That is your ability to move on. You have done your part. The Bible says, as far as it depends upon you, you cannot make this happen. It takes both sides to work on the relationship. And there are some relationships where you will not be able to restore those relationships. But you've done your part. You've done it unto the Lord. And you can move on with freedom. And you can move on to a place of healing. Healing. Nehemiah worked tirelessly to rebuild the wall. He worked tirelessly to restore the homeland. We need to put the same kind of effort into our relationships. Several years ago, there was a, a musical group called Civil Wars, and they captivated the culture with their song, Poison and Wine. Now, you may have heard this, this song before because it's, it's really You've seen it a lot of different places. If You've seen it on Grey's Anatomy. It's been all over TV. It's been on, used on Grey's Anatomy. It's been used on One Tree Hill, uh, 90210, uh, Vampire Diaries. Over and over, this song has been used. And the reason it has been used, it has just captivated people's attention. In an the interview, they were explaining where that came from. It said that we're married and, and we... We struggle in our relationship. They struggled in what it meant to be married. And they said, as we wrote this out of our own struggle, we realize that it may affect other people different ways. It may relate to a person who's struggling with an addiction, it may relate to a person who's struggling at work. But as you hear this song, you're going to hear the pain. And you're gonna feel their emotion. As I was thinking about this message this week, I thought about that song. And I thought about you. I thought about you in South Augusta, how many people watching me online, maybe you're watching on demand, that you struggle and you've got pain deep inside as it relates to your relationship. So maybe you can relate to this song. You can feel the tension in the room. It's a tension of struggle, that conflict because that person means so much to you. That situation is so important to you. That job means so much to you. That friendship means so much to you. And yet in all of that, you feel this tension and you want it to work out. What do you do? We're gonna do what Nehemiah did. We're we're gonna pray. And we're gonna ponder. And so today I wanna just pray for you. I wanna pray for you here in this room. I wanna pray for those in South America Augusta today and those watching online and I'm going to ask God to come and to move in your life to touch you and so many of us have a tendency to say oh so and so really needs this message but today we're saying God speak to us God speak to me God let me hear this message let's pray together father I pray For the people listening to me today, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that you would touch each one of us here. And God, specifically for those individuals that are struggling with this inner turmoil, this inner conflict, this pain, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring uh, resolution. I pray, God, that you would bring healing. Father, I pray right now for people to be healed. Now, often we pray for people to be physically healed, healed of cancer, healed of ailments. Today, in addition to those prayers, I am praying for a healing of memories. Father, I ask that you would come and heal people emotionally. Let there be a healing of memories, God, where there's that grudge, where there's that pain, where there's that heartache. God, I ask that your, your hand would touch those memories and God, that you'd bring peace from the inside out. Come Holy Spirit, move in this place. Come Holy Spirit, touch us here. And Father, for those that have never been saved, let this be the moment that they cry out to you and say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. And if that's you, just cry out to him and say that. Lord, we give you our lives. We give you our families. We give you our relationships. And today we receive what you have for us. I want you to say that. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. Say that. I receive what you have for me. And I pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.